My Wonderful Friend, good to have you with us on Fate FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible, and where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Rita. The South Australian Regional Coordinator for Faith FM And I'm so happy to be with you today Thank you for tuning in If you like to be part of this program today I will invite you to send us a message Send us a text on the phone number 0488-880-811 That's the number which you should jot it down Because we are going to give you some special offer today And uh, through that number, again, you may want to request that offer, which I will uh, mention a bit uh, later on. But it's wonderful to be together today. And uh, we are talking this week about uh, decoding Bible prophecy symbols. Dad and I just looked into who is Babylon in prophecy. And Joseph and Will, they did a great job talking about those things. And thank you for the messages coming uh, through and uh, also your uh, requests for the special offer. Don't be shy. Again, you can be part of this program. You can send us a question or a comment. The number is 048-880-811. My co-host today is Pastor Ernst Williams. And uh, and serves as a pastor at the city church in the beautiful city of Adelaide, right right in the center there. Yeah, good to have you with us. But I also have another church now as well. And I was going to mention about that because I just heard about that. You know, we have a plant church actually. Yes, that's correct. Over in um, what's the name? Uh, it is called the Grace Adventist Center, which is uh, where we meet in the uh, Uniting Church in Brooklyn Park on Sir Donald Bradman Drive. Yeah, beautiful. And you visited that church only once, right? <laughs> Last week, yeah. But I'll be there once a month. But my my main church is yeah Adelaide City on Ang- eighty two Angus Street. Yeah. And by the way, just saying that because it's right here in the heart of uh, Adelaide, the, the city correct. church. If you like to visit uh, Adelaide City Church, it's very easy to get access, you know, even through the buses if you want to, yes. uh, or if you want to drive there. I know with uh, driving uh, can be some issues sometime with the parking, but yep. uh, you have some uh, arrangements with the um, car park oh, there. Oh, yes, yeah, just across the street, on hmm. Angus Street, there's a car park there that, that offers uh, $2 a day for those who are attending church on, church. on the Saturday or oh, the that's, Sabbath. Yeah. That's very cheap there. And, uh, yes, just tell us a little bit about City Church, just in a few words. Yeah, um, I've been there now for a year and a half. It's uh, yeah, located right well, pretty much right next to the police station, and mm-hmm. the fire brigade. But uh, but yeah, wonderful church uh, that we have there. We've got uh, children's divisions and um, different classes that meet during the week to study the Bible together. Obviously, we come together at um, eleven a.m. on Saturday morning for the the main service. We also have a Bible study time at nine thirty in the morning when we don't have the COVID issues. Yeah, oh yes, it yeah, changes that- a little bit. Yeah. 
challenge is still on uh, here. And you moved uh, to Adelaide from uh, where? Uh, uh, from Brisbane. I was living in Brisbane a year and a half ago. Yeah. How did you take the cold here in Adelaide? Oh man, let me tell you, it has been freezing. I love I love the temperatures, the different uh, the, the the seasons, but man, has it been cold here? We had some days on record actually here in Adelaide. Uh, you know what, Nick? Two two Sundays ago, I just stayed in my bed all day. I had a pile of books next to me. I just stayed in bed literally for a day. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. just had that electric blanket on. I was so freezing. Yeah. yeah, many people who move from other parts of Australia, they are always complaining about this. And I spent myself a bit of time in uh, Northern Territory just uh, ah. a couple of months ago. Yep. And it was wonderful, you know, yeah, great to be there in the nice warm weather. Mm. But hey, uh, winter is almost over. Uh, that is true. That is true. And overall, Adelaide is a very good temperature, you know, in, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. We have some hot days, but we have cold oh, days, as I said. But I like Adelaide. Actually, it's a good combination. Maybe as I grow a bit older, you know, I may need to think about Queensland a bit. Yeah, well, I was there for 15 years. And I mean, for a period, 10 years up in Townsville and mm. Cairns. So, yeah, no, I appreciate the temperatures here. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Hey, um, Ernest, we have a very interesting topic today. Uh, as I said, we are talking about God's model. Mm-hmm. Of salvation, but we are going to look a little bit into, you know, the temple, That's how correct. the temple was uh, given, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to Moses, you know, how to build a tabernacle, That is correct. and then later on, you know, um, Solomon built the the famous temple in Jerusalem. Yep. But what I want to do just before we moving into this study. Mm-hmm. Now I know that you visited the um, uh, Holy Land as. People puts it, you know. Yep. You've yep. been there. Uh, you've been many times, or uh, only twice. Twice. Yeah. 2010, okay. 2011, Yeah. Now, were you able to visit the Temple Institute? I did. I actually, yeah, just up, up, uh, just a little bit of a walk up from the Western Wall there in Jerusalem. Uh, you have the Temple Institute there, and um, if you jump online today and see what the purpose or the the goal of this particular institute is all about. It says there online that the Temple Institute's ultimate goal is to see Israel rebuild the Holy Temple on Mount Moriah in mm-hmm. Jerusalem in according with the biblical commandments. So um, that is their purpose, their reason for existence. They are want. They are literally, as you walk inside this building, they'll take you on a tour there. You'll see a, a reconstructed table of showbread. Mm-hmm. You will see the altar of incense. You will see models of the second temple, um, even the garments and the instruments that the high priest would wear and yes. the different instruments that were used by the, the Levites in the temple and so forth. And so what they're wanting to do is to literally rebuild a temple there on Mount Moriah, where, where currently at the moment, of course, you've got the um, the Dome of the Rock there, that, that beautiful golden dome. Yeah, yes. There. Oh, but that, look, it's an amazing it's saying that, that they are working on at least 60 uh, sacred you know, pieces yeah. and vessels you know, to be used in this temple. I wonder, what is the use of the temple? Because we are going to, to see what, yeah. uh, why God gave Moses yep. a vision like, or, or you know, to how... Yeah how to build a temple and why yeah, to build a temple. Yeah. But just in a couple of words, what do you think people are interested to build a temple now in Jerusalem? Is that a, any uh, significance of well, that? Is any need of that? For, for, yeah, I guess from a Jewish perspective, of 
course, they want to rebuild the temple so they can reinstitute the um, the various sacrifices, which we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But I think um, from a prophetic perspective, there are other groups of Christians who believe that um, the temple needs to re- be rebuilt mm-hmm. so certain events in end-time prophecy can be fulfilled. Um, in in term, things like this, uh, well, what people believe as being the future Antichrist who will appear there and um, do certain things there in, in the heart of Jerusalem, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, to me, it sounds a little bit, um, how to say, uh, even conspiracy theories to yeah. come across with that. Yeah. I mean, oh, look, I, we, we could spend a whole program just talking, just talking about, about that. You know, various theories as to who the, I think you did a little bit, it sounds like, in your last presentation on Babylon. But, mm. Um, mm. yeah, there's, a, there's this whole belief that this Antichrist will appear in a rebuilt temple there in the heart of Jerusalem. And um, I don't find that in the Bible. But, um, yeah, there is a, a prevailing belief in many different churches today who, mm. who hold to that. Yeah. Now, also, um, when you talk about the temple, it's also known as sanctuary. Is that, that is right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what is the sanctuary, Ernst? Well, the, the sanctuary, there are a couple of sanctuaries that we read about in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But the first one that we read about um, is the one... Well, we find in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8, the Bible says uh, that God instructed Moses to let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So the original tem- uh, sanctuary was simply a tent-like structure mm-hmm. that was composed of three different sections, and it had a whole heap of furniture in there, which, of course, we'll unbreak and talk about a bit more. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Um, mm. uh, yeah, let, Let's see. What was the purpose of the sanctuary then? Well, the purpose of the sanctuary, th- this is a situation. God, as I just read there, God wants to live or dwell amongst his people. But the problem is because of sin, he can't because he's holy. He's a holy individual and you've got the people who are sinners. And so basically this sin has raised this barrier between us and God. We read about that in Isaiah 59 and verse 2. And so what God asks his people to do, we read this in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 11 and 12. It says this. It says, you shall... Oh, no, I've got the wrong verse there. Leviticus 26, 11 and 12. It says, I will set my tabernacle or my sanctuary, it's the same word, mm-hmm. um, among you and my soul shall not abhor you I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. So really the, 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 one of the purposes of the sanctuary was in order that God may dwell or be or spend time with his people. Um, this was the uh, the way in which God could be amongst his people without um, destroying him because of his holiness. And so I guess the purpose of the sanctuary is really all about dealing with the problem of sin. It's mm. like a a kindergarten object lesson, if you like, to show us how God is dealing with the problem of sin. In fact, um, I, uh, the book of um, Psalms and verse seventy-seven and chapter seventy-seven and verse thirteen, it says, "Your way." Oh, God is in the sanctuary. And so we read here, God's way is in the sanctuary. And I want to suggest to you that it is through the sanctuary uh, we can see a pattern or a path as to how God is uh, gives us salvation. And I was going to ask that uh, question, how does the sanctuary show us the way? Oh, we're going to unpack that. But basically, it shows us how we can move from a condition of being lost or alienated from God Mm. to being in a restored relationship with him. So uh, 
Oh, that, we're going to unpack that as we go along. But basically, it, it shows us the way in a couple of ways. Mm. Let me break this down. Firstly, it shows us the way of salvation. Yep. Okay. Through the various sacrifices, through the various items of furniture, and how they all symbolize or point forward to Christ. Um, they show us the way in which um, He, that is God, can separate His people. From their sins. Okay. To deal with the problem of sin. Yes. And I've also got here the way to restore this intimate friendship that God wants with each one of us Mm -hmm. that was lost in the Garden of Eden. So there, in a nutshell, basically, that's what the way or what the sanctuary shows us. Mm. Now, referring back to the, you know, uh, this initiative to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem right now, I have few Issues, you know, right now, because uh, if you are uh, building a temple and uh, trying to bring back again, you know, the sacrifices, yeah, yeah. which I don't know the relevance of that because Jesus Christ died on the cross, you know, yes. uh, once and for all. Um, but I can see uh, while you're just saying here, a sanctuary, a temple was there that God's presence, the manifestation yeah. of God mm. to be in there. Mm. Now, we expect that to be even uh, in our churches when we go, uh, we gather together, you know. Yep. That's why we, when we build a church, for example, we dedicate that mm-hmm. church. Uh, Solomon mm-hmm. dedicated the temple in yep. Jerusalem. And um, it's an amazing prayer which Solomon prayed oh, yes, uh, yeah, that yeah. dedication, you know, because uh, um, I believe that's a very important a thing yeah the presence of god came uh, fell upon the absolutely, temple absolutely absolutely yeah. and if we need it, I, I believe it's very important to come together and to ask god and to pray now i know that in the circumstances we live here with the covid and things like that we are restricted a lot and sometimes not able to come Together. To a church, mm. to a building, mm. but actually, we individuals, you know, I mean, uh, gathering together, even yeah. by other means, we are the church. We are yeah. the church. You and I sitting here now. The Bible says, "Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst." That's Absolutely. what Jesus says. And so, you and I sitting here in this room right now, our church, we're experiencing church fellowship. Yeah. Now we mentioned about the ancient, you know, uh, temple, yep. and uh, particularly, first of all, the that tabernacle, as you yep. said, which was. Um, um, just a tent with the yeah, it was a it was a tent like structure that was mobile mm-hmm. it was it was portable because it, it could be set up and then packed up and um, as a result then they would travel we, we know the Israelites um, they were promised God when when God used Moses to go, bring um, his people out of Israel mm-hmm. we know that they traveled in the wilderness for 40 years and so um, ultimately they were heading towards Canaan the promised land but as a result of their sins at Mount Sinai we find that basically they ended up Traversing the the plains of, of of Sinai and so forth in the desert in the wilderness, and so basically they needed something that they could set up, still have God with them, but um, whenever the it talks there about the the pillar of uh, cloud by day and mm-hmm. the pillar of fire by night, mm-hmm. which represent the the um, the presence of God in amidst uh, God's people, and so they would follow wherever that cloud would take them, and ultimately when it settled in a particular place. That is when they would set up this tent-like structure, and um, they would dwell there. That's what you know. We're, we're talking possibly over a million, two million people coming out of yes. Egypt. Um, you had the mixed multitude there as well. Others who weren't Hebrews, but who joined that group as well. And um, yeah, they would live in the wilderness there with mm. God in the middle, like the tent. If you can imagine, you got the twelve tribes. 
all these thousands of people um, surrounding and right in the middle at the heart of that vast number of tents you've got basically the sanctuary or the mm. tabernacle where God dwelt amongst his people right in the middle of his people there yes yeah. I was always you know uh, interested in uh, knowing about the temple and uh, even as you mentioned about that pillar of uh, fire or uh, cloud, a cloud you know uh, yep. that was protective also because of the enemies you know yeah. and if you like to go in the Bible and read a little be more yeah. of this you'll understand the significance yeah. of uh, the, the the tabernacle and the presence of God Absolutely. there now I mentioned a bit earlier you know that uh, through Moses you know uh, he may have a, a vision I think it was kind of a, a vision yeah, yeah. but where did Moses get those plans because it was very well structured you know yeah and very yeah. particular it was very specific and there's a reason for that um, we find there in the scripture um, Exodus chapter 25 and verse 9 let me just turn there in my Bible for a moment and uh, have a look at that uh, Exodus 25 and verse 9 the Bible says Verse 8 says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. There we're given the reason for the building. But then it says, According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings, uh, just so you shall make it. So we find mm. here that, that God gave Moses this uh, this blueprint, and it was meticulously designed by God. And I'll suggest to you, um, here, Nick, that every part was significant and it had meaning. Right. And as we'll see, all of it was pointing to what Jesus Christ would do ultimately on the cross of Calvary. And, and again, if the new temple, you know, which uh, di- through this institute they want to rebuild, I, I don't know if that will represent and will be significant well, in that way, you know, everything, all those parts, you know. As we're going to see, basically... Th- the, the, the desire to rebuild the temple today is redundant, mm. especially if you believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because as we'll see a little later, when Jesus died on the cross, it put an end to all of these sacrifices that we're, we're going to talk about in the moment. Right. So basically, all of it was pointing forward to what Jesus Christ would do on the cross. But when he died on the cross, that was it. There was no need for any other sacrifice because his sacrifice was perfect and it was only needed once and for all. Yes, all yes. these other sacrifices that we're going to talk about in a moment that are connected with this um, this sanctuary that Moses was um, told to build, um, they were ongoing. Mm. But Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary, yeah, made it all redundant. It wasn't needed anymore. Absolutely. Now, you read that uh, in Exodus. Where, where in Exodus described the whole um, uh, vision of uh, oh, Moses? This is, this is um, Exodus chapter 25 and verse 9. Yeah. I would like to mention this to our listener. If you don't drive right now or yep. um, you're sitting somewhere and have access to a Bible, open the Bible in Exodus and follow up with the, the discussion. And if you have a, a thought, please send us a message. Don't be For shy. Sure. Again, I'll give you the number. Uh, it's 488 Double one, yeah. and thank you for the messages coming through. Thank you, uh, Stephen, uh, for uh, uh, encouraging us and sending that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, God bless, and thank you for listening, um, uh, Stephen. You know, coming back to the uh, this meticulous design that God had given to Moses, what is really interesting and fascinating, really, is that it is a copy or a pattern or a model mm-hmm. of the heavenly sanctuary. Um, we read about that in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 2. Now, I know the next study, 
following this one tomorrow is going to unpack that in a bit more yes. detail. And I don't want to take that person's thunder. But, um, yeah, the, the, the model that um, God gave to Moses was like it is a copy of the one that exists in heaven right now. Oh, know? that's a very significant mm. point because I think uh, here we can uh, make a program just on that, you know, oh, the, yeah. uh, the heavenly sanctuary yeah. uh, and what happens there. But yeah. let me ask you a question here. As we are going through and probably read some more uh, passages, why was this given to Moses, um, all the instructions there, how to build it? And it was portable. You can pack it up easily yep. and move it around. What, what was the purpose? Well, the reason for that, again, was that um, in order that um, we know that God's people were on the move for that 40 years in the wilderness, it, it, God didn't tell them to build a... Um, a solid structure that would last. We know ultimately when they got into Canaan mm-hmm. that they would build our, or Solomon would Later build on, a yes. temple mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. But at this time, no, God was still building them up as a people and ultimately leading them into the promised land. And we know that when they got there, you had all the inhabitants of the land that they had to drive out in order to be able to do that. So it, it took a period of time. So that's why the structure was portable. Yeah, And also in, in the life of Israel, you know, uh, as they come out, uh, and even before people of God, they used to build like an altar, you know, to yes, to yes. God, that just to to point, you know, that you know the relationship That's in correct. between them and God, and to stay there. It was a um, to remember, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for the generations to come. But in this case. The temple, the sanctuary, because mm. God wants to be with them present in their journey. Mm. And this one, while they were traveling, and there were certain specific things which had to happen every day. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, probably we are going to uh, talk a little bit o- on, on this. Uh, Might be good to describe the sanctuary yeah. for our listeners, because I know so, we're talking about the sanctuary in a tent, and probably people are thinking of just like a free man tent or something where you, know, you go in there and go to sleep. But um, when you look at the sanctuary, a couple of things we need to keep in mind. Um, firstly, there were, there were three basic areas. You had an outer court area. If you can imagine for our listeners, like a rectangle, a mm-hmm. big rectangle, it's a high wall, it was white, so you couldn't look over it, you couldn't see through it. There was only one door that gave you access into the sanctuary. We'll find that there are actually three doors or veils that you could enter through. But there was like an outside court. Mm-hmm. There was an inner court, um, or which was called the holy place. And then there was the uh, a third room called the most holy place. And in each of these three areas, there were certain items of furniture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in, in total, there were six pieces of furniture. There were two items of furniture in the courtyard. There was the altar of burnt offering, and there was also the the laver, which was basically a basin that was filled with water. Yes. Um, then you move through the second veil. You go through that first veil into the um, courtyard. You go through the second veil that takes you into the holy place where there were three items of furniture. You had the table of showbread. You had the um, the menorah or the lampstand, mm-hmm. seven branches, and you had the altar. Altar of um, sac- um, sorry incense, and then you go through a third veil, which takes you into this other room called the Most Holy Place, and it was in there where you had the Ark of the Covenant. Now. For those of you who like Harrison Ford and have seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, you may remember that it was Harrison Ford chasing after this ark. I mean, that's only a movie depiction, but yes. that is a, a description of this box. 
this golden box or this uh, what do they say that that the rocks that were found inside the box mm. um, it was a it was a very holy relic in fact we are told in the scripture that on on top of this particular box the ark of the covenant you had the mercy seats and you had these two angels mm. and the bible tells us that um, this was the place where god dwelt amongst his people now we do read other events in the in the Bible. He wasn't just stuck there, but we read in the scriptures in the book of Leviticus that this is where God dwelt um, uh, between the two angels. So, yeah, when, when you look at the various uh, materials that were used in order to construct this thing, there was the there was acacia wood, there was goat's hair, there were ram skin that was dyed red, there was badger skin, there was a lot of silver and a lot of gold. Mm-hmm. In fact, walking inside the holy place. Um, it was completely enclosed. It was dark, and the reason that you needed the lampstand was there was in order that when the priest was ministering inside the holy place that they could see what they were doing. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And as we mentioned, you know, the way of God is in the sanctuary. Yeah. I am the way, Jesus said yep. himself. That was the, the truth uh, back then yep. with the Israelites uh, yep. on their way to the promised land. Uh, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, uh, life, and man can, can come um, to me only through this means. Yeah. The, the significance of the sanctuary is this. God is dealing with the plan, uh, the problem of sin. Mm-hmm. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or no forgiveness of sin. And so I guess God was using the sanctuary to try and describe or portray to his people the, the seriousness of sin, the, the horrible consequences of people's choices that ultimately something would have to die. Mm-hmm. This is what God was using the sanctuary for, to help his people understand that, you know, he's, he wants to enter into this relationship with us. But because of our sin, as we've indicated in Isaiah 59 and verse 2, it separates us from him. Yes. And the only way that we can be reconciled is through the shedding of blood. Now, we can choose to shed our own blood, but that's not going to save us mm. because, you know, we can pay the penalty of our transgression or sin or we can choose to accept the sacrifice that God is going to give us in order to make atonement or provide forgiveness mm-hmm. of that sin. And as a result of that, we are then able to be – we're forgiven and we're also reconciled back to God once again. Mm. So – I imagine, you know, Nick, when I, when I think about the sanctuary, you know, day in, day out, there was a daily service. People would bring a lamb in order to find – they would have to shed the blood of that lamb to find forgiveness of sin. I imagine the place much, must have looked like a butcher's or an abattoir. You know, yeah. like it, it, it must have been a very smelly – it mm. must have been pretty horrific blood sp- – uh, you know, mm. I, I won't go into details, mm. but like you can imagine it mustn't have been a very nice place. But this was the thing that, that God asked his people to do in order to find that reconciliation once, and, when they had committed sin. And what I, what I can hear here from you, uh, Ernst, is that um, God is showing to his people the plan of salvation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, they experience on their own skin what sin and the effects of sin is. But God is, even though may 
look very graphic, you know, mm. in some aspects there with all the sacrifices and all the things. But that's reality because yeah. for our sins, mm. as uh, God said at the beginning, in the day you'll sin, you will die. Now, yeah. we know that that God provided for uh, a us all a yeah. substitute. Yep. And in these cases, you know, we're talking about the sacrifices, the lamb and so on and so forth. But mm. That culminated later on, mm. and we may talk oh, a little yeah. bit about oh, this with, with the Lamb yeah. of God. Of course. But we are going to take a short break uh, here, listen to a song, and uh, we'll be back. After the song, I will give you that offer which I mentioned a bit earlier. Be ready to send us a message. The number again, just if you haven't jotted down yet, it's zero four double eight double eight zero eight double one. In the sanctuary. This is the song which we are going to listen for a couple of minutes. We have a high priest up in heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He's our defender before the Father In a temple made by God, not man Behind the veil, in a place most holy Hallelujah, oh hallelujah Investigating
find out, download the free Faith FM app for your smartphone or tablet to see our full daily schedule of programs and music. And welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today is Pastor Ernst Williams. We are talking about God's model of salvation. We were talking about the sanctuary in um, the ancient, uh, you know, tabernacle, all those things. Um, just before we are moving on, uh, I would like to give you that offer now, which I mentioned to you. And the, the offer is a book called Amazing Prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. This book is an absolute must for everyone interested in prophecy. I will give you a great, ex- it will give you a great explanation of um, what we are talking about here even today um, on drive time. So if you would like to get uh, this offer today, right now, you, what you need to do is to text us this code word, SA10, and uh, the faith uh, giveaway bot will reply asking for your details. So text the code word SA10, that stands for South Australia, and the number again is zero four double eight double eight zero eight double one. Ernst, before the break, we were talking about um, also the furniture mm. in the sanctuary, and that was very important. You know, it was very particular. God told Moses exactly how to make it, where to put it, uh, all those things. Mm. Now. Through this uh, furniture and whatever was there, what that symbolize each one, uh, yeah, in particular. As we've seen earlier, that every, everything that was uh, that uh, was constructed by Moses, the plan that God had given them was was symbolic of something, and all of it, even the very colors, were were pointing to various aspects of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And when when you look at the furniture, like we we mentioned in the outer court, there was the um, uh, you know, the altar of uh, of Sacrifice mm-hmm. there, and at nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, there was a a uh, an animal that was sacrificed on that altar, which covered the sins of Israel. And what would happen is that people, you know, they would pass through that first veil. That would be the first thing that they would see there, and that altar, you know, ultimately pointed forward to Jesus Christ, as we read in John chapter one and verse twenty nine, as the Lamb who takes away the sin of the whole world. So. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that perfect sacrifice that was offered there on that altar was was pointing forward into the future what Jesus Christ would do on the cross. 
And then, of course, you go still in the um, courtyard area. You then find that you've got the laver there, that basin with the water. This was the place where the priests would wash their hands and their feet before they would enter into the um, holy place. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that, of course, it it, it symbolizes purity. It symbolizes cleansing, the washing of our sins and, and ultimately pointing forward to baptism, I believe. And then once you've moved from the um, outside courtyard into the holy place, we mentioned there the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the the lampstands. And again, those three elements, you know, we, we Jesus himself declared himself that I am the bread of life. Yes. Um, you know, represented by the 12 loaves of bread that sat upon that table. And then you look at the, the golden menorah or the, the lampstands, and uh, we Jesus said elsewhere in the scriptures that I am the light of the world world mm-hmm. um so you got a, you know that symbolism there about jesus being the light taking the gospel to the world and then finally you got the altar of incense there of course where which represents the prayers of god's people as we read there in revelation chapter 8 and verse 3 so all of these items of furniture are pointing to a a various aspect of of christ and his ministry and then finally of course you go into the most holy place now what's interesting with that is that um the priest could only enter into that final compartment only one time a year and you'll if yep. our listeners listening in tomorrow, you'll you'll find out more about that. But in there, you had the Ark of the Covenant, of course, where the Ten Commandments were placed there as well. And and what is interesting, Nick, I find about if you look at the alignment, and maybe we need to encourage our listeners to go online and check it out. Just type in um, Moses Sanctuary. Just type that in to Google. Do a do a search. And if you look at the various alignment of the items of furniture, if you were to take a pen and a rule and put a, a, a rule a line through it mm-hmm. you'll notice it actually forms the shape of a cross right that is the the incredible thing i find that um when you yeah just take a line put a line through where the alignment of the furniture where it was placed mm-hmm. you actually find the cross there but even more so you can also see the suffering of jesus that is betrayed there as well um every place where an article of furniture is found if you look at Jesus when he died on the cross of Calvary, you'll see that that was a place where he experienced a wound. Mm. For example, the altar of sacrifice where his feet were nailed to the cross. The, the laver, you know, representing the pierce, uh, how his side was pierced and blood and water came out, according to John chapter t- uh, 10 and verse 34. Um, you got the table of showbread, the lampstand, you got his left hand and his right hand, and then you got the incense representing the broken heart, and then finally the crown of thorns in the place where the Ark of the Covenant is. So again, I don't think that, you know, Moses was instructed to just randomly put stuff wherever he wanted to put it. There was a specific purpose and reason for this. And even, I believe, the experience of you and I is mm. found. You know, we spoke earlier about your way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. When, when you think about the experience of the believer, if, if we were living back then, with the sanctuary, you know, we would walk into that first veil, into the courtyard area. The first thing we would see was the altar of, of, um, sacrifice. Sacrifice, yes. You know, again, pointing to Jesus's, you know, symbolizing Jesus's sacrifice. Only through his blood, only through the sacrifice of Jesus, yeah. we 
find salvation, and we were talking about that. Absolutely. Yes. So that's the first thing. So we recognize our need for Jesus, mm-hmm. for his cleansing blood to wash us from our sin. The next thing then generally a believer does is that they make a decision to want to be baptized, don't they? Correct. So that's the next item of furniture that we find in the other court. Then you look at the life of the believer. You've got, you know, you've got Bible study represented by the bread. You've got the, the, the lampstand there representing, you know, God has called us to be a light to the world, to share our faith with others. And also the, um, the altar of incense representing the prayer. So it talks about the experience of God's people, Bible study, prayer, and sharing our faith. And then finally, it's like, it's like, it's like a, a marriage relationship. When you think about, you know, I'm married to Marsha, mm. and there was a there was a period where of courtship where I got to know her. You know, that out of court experience is like that courtship period, and then you enter into the in the engagement period, represented, you know, in using the analogy there, yes. getting to know her more, um, spending time with her, you know, becoming more cemented in my decision in wanting to spend the rest of my life with her. And then finally you enter into that marriage experience, mm, you know. Mm. And in a sense, the sanctuary is like that. You've got the outer courts where we repent of our sins, where we desire baptism, the engagement through the study of God's word, through being a light to others in prayer. And then finally the, the intimacy, the connection that comes um, – in, in marriage, being united with God in that most holy place experience. So a number of different ways that we can look and unpack the sanctuary. I mean, we could spend a number of different... <laughs> but that's amazing, <laughs> yeah. you know, to be able to see that because all of these things actually... Um, portrayed, you know, and yeah. uh, in uh, uh, as it says in the Bible, it says that all these things were a shadow yeah. of the things to come. But the substance is Christ. Yes. And uh, all of these things uh, portray to Jesus. And again, I'm um, just wondering about the rebuild of the new temple in uh, in Jerusalem right now, uh, what people are intending to do through that, because whatever was portrayed there, Jesus accomplished. Yeah, yeah. We can talk a little bit more about even, uh, but we'll leave that for uh, for the next yeah. program. You won't uh, miss tomorrow. No, uh, tomorrow's tomorrow, you n- need to come yeah. back to see what Jesus is doing in the heavenly sanctuary. Yeah. Another thing that the sanctuary brings out, which we've kind of alluded to and spoken about briefly, is um, there there were two major services. There was the daily service and then there was the yearly service, okay? The daily service, as we kind of alluded to before, when people recognized that they had sinned, they would um, take a, an, an animal, go and meet the priest in the, um, in the, in the courtyard they would confess their sins and then what would basically happen is that they would have to take a knife and 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 take the animal's life the priest would then take that blood and he would take it into the holy place mm-hmm. and he would sprinkle it on various items of of the furniture there so what was effectively happening is that the sin was being transferred from the sinner through the substitute or the lamb, which, by the way, was had to be perfect. It couldn't be any lamb. It had yes. to be spotless, which, yes. again, was pointing forward to what Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb of God. Um, the blood would be shed. The priest would take that blood and sprinkle it 
inside the sanctuary. So effectively what was happening is that for 359 days of the year, sin was being transferred symbolically through the blood mm-hmm. into the sanctuary. Okay, It was being taken in. But on the one day of the year, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, we find that there was a, um, a, a ritual that was set up in order to cleanse the sanctuary of sin that had been accumulated throughout the year. And um, our listeners will want to come back tomorrow for that. Absolutely. Because that's a very fascinating study as well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we have messages coming through and there are uh, people are asking uh, questions like um, uh, which section of the sanctuary, in which section were Adam and Eve? Before they sinned, that's an interesting question. They, well, uh, technically, they were in the courtyard, mm. um, and even Jesus. When you think about it, because that altar of sacrifice represents the cross, Jesus died, if you like, in the outer court. You know, just a way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Stephen, for that question. I have another question which I would like to mention while I'm uh, stopping here. Ernst, doesn't God dwell in the New Jerusalem now? The yes. bride of Christ is the new Jerusalem, isn't it? That uh, says uh, uh, our uh, friend uh, Michael. Good question, Michael. Thank you for that. What do you think? Just uh, very briefly, because we uh, may not have time to go too much on that. Yeah, uh, the new Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3 talks about how God is preparing a place for us. Whether that that work is finished yet at this time, I don't know. But um, in tomorrow's presentation, we will look further at the heavenly sanctuary as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, well, I would say, yeah, God does dwell in the new Jerusalem. If he's constructing it, mm. he's there. Mm. So, yeah, I would say, yeah. Beautiful. Now, let's see. We have only a few minutes left here. Are there other purposes, you know, uh, to be served, you know, through the understanding of the sanctuary? What what do you, would you like to say in the next uh, just two, yeah. three minutes? Well, I think in a nutshell, what we, what we basically said today, if I was to summarize, is firstly that the, that the sanctuary demonstrates the plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. You can see the cross beautifully depicted through the sacrifices, um, through um, various elements, that, even the layouts of the furniture and different things and so forth. It, it is showing us how God is dealing with the problem of sin. And as I said, tomorrow's presentation will really talk about the cleansing mm. of the sanctuary as well. The one thing I take from this is that, you know, Sin separates us from God, but God is pursuing us. God is not saying, well, you've done this. I don't want anything to do with you. Mm -hmm. He said, no, I'm going to build my tent right next to yours, and I'm going to continue to woo you to me. And I think the greatest demonstration of his love, of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When, When Jesus died on the cross, that was God's way of saying, this is how much mm. I love you. Yeah, that's that's very very interesting. Um, uh, what you just said there, uh, Ernest. And there are things you know uh, which we can draw some good lessons here. Now, even though that happened in the sanctuary there, because the Bible says that uh, through the blood salvation comes. You know, yeah. now to the blood of the animals, God pointed yeah. towards the promise. Uh, savior mm. uh, and the substitute, which oh, yes. was uh, yeah. our Lord Jesus Christ. Very significant. As, as you'll see tomorrow, of course, all these various sacrifices, while they were good in their place, ultimately, the blood of that, the perfect blood of Christ is what 
completely cleanses. This other system was set in place, mm. but it was basically when Jesus died on the cross, we read that the, that the temple that was in Jerusalem, the veil between the holy and the most holy place in the temple structure was torn in two, which basically indicated that all of these animal sacrifices are now redundant. They are no longer applicable, that the blood of Jesus Christ is perfect. And the book of Hebrews it really unpacks that in a lot more detail. Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, don't miss the program tomorrow again. But uh, for today, uh, again, in the next uh, few minutes which we have left, I'd like to give you this offer to you because we like you to study more and compare with the Bible. And But I'll give you this book, Amazing Prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. It's a book which you would like to have it um, for yourself there. Um, it will give you a great explanation of uh, what we are um, talking about uh, here today. The number where you could request this book by just sending a message to us. It's 048-880-811. And the code which you should use is SA10. SA stands for South Australia and just uh, number 10 there. SA10 request this book uh, free of charge, no obligation. Mm. Now, um, Ernst, let's bring it together a little bit. What would you like to say to somebody who's listening today talking about this, uh, you know, the sanctuary, the the temple with all the objects there, Mm -hmm. they may uh, not even know anything about this you know Mm -hmm. many christians today they don't want to look in the old testament you know and to understand the significance of the things even though jesus pointed so much Mm -hmm. to the old testament what would you like to say to somebody who's listening never heard probably about uh, Mm -hmm. the sanctuary and uh, why it's important to know about these things just in a couple of minutes in, in one sense the the sanctuary of moses is obviously no longer it's redundant you know, we don't, thank, thankfully today we don't have to go and sacrifice an animal to find forgiveness of sin. We can go directly to God. We read in 1 John 1 9 that if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus today is our heavenly high priest. And the beautiful thing, we don't need a, there's no mediator anymore. We don't need a sacrifice. He is our sacrifice and priest and we can go directly to him in order to find forgiveness of sin. So in one sense, what we've been talking about today is a relic of the past because it's all pointing forward to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But today, by faith, we can come boldly, we are told, um, before the throne of grace. That is the good news of the sanctuary today. There is a sanctuary today. You'll hear about it tomorrow, the heavenly sanctuary. We're just setting it up at the moment as to um, yeah, what the earthly sanctuary was all about, which, again, was just a copy of the one in heaven. Mm. Mm. And we are inviting you, listening right now here, to take in consideration these aspects because they are important. You know, they are not in the Bible just for uh, uh, for nothing. That with, with the reason, it's very important to know these things. And if you are you know, moved by the Holy Spirit to make a decision, mm. then don't hesitate to to do that mm. uh, right now because we are encouraging you uh, to be a proactive, faithful 
servant of the Lord. Yeah. Each one of us here. We, that's what we do this uh, broadcasts, uh, earns, uh, Christian broadcasts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to unpack it and look at it in a bit more depth, um, jump into the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus. I mean, there's a lot of, talks about a number of different sacrifices there, but you'll, you'll, you'll get a beautiful picture of, again, um, God's remedy to the problem of sin, making provision in order for people to, to be forgiven of their sin and to be reconnected with him. But I think the important thing, that the lesson that we can take from all of this is that God is pursuing his people. That's what he's doing. And through his son Jesus dying on the cross, all of these sacrifices that we've been talking about today, all of those sacrifices are pointing forward to what Jesus would come and do on the cross of Calvary, which again just tells us how significant, how we are all valuable, and um, how much God loves us in, mm. in sending his son Jesus to die for us here. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, and thank you, Julia, for uh, requesting that uh, book. Uh, messages are still coming through, uh, Ernst, for um, yeah, people uh, requesting that book, Amazing Prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. You just need to send us a message on 0488-880811 with the code SA. Thank you for that. Uh, Ernst, uh, how would you like to pray uh, today to close um, for our listener and for ourselves? Let's pray. All right. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining in today. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the time we've been able to spend together today just studying the Word of God. Lord, we really need more time. This is such a big topic, but hopefully it has made sense today. And most importantly, hopefully it has revealed you and your beautiful character of love. Lord, we know that sin separates, but we find a God in the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, a God who pursues each and every one of us. And Lord, as we've seen through the various animal sacrifices, through the various uh, items of furniture, the layout, all these things were all pointing toward your sacrifice Mm. on the cross. And, Lord, today we thank you for the free gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that we can boldly come to the throne of grace, that um, we can be forgiven of all of our sin because what you did for us 2,000 years ago on the cross. We want to give you thanks today. And we want to pray for each and every one of our listeners today that they may be blessed, that you'll protect them wherever they are at this time, and that um, you'll continue to draw each and every one of us closer to you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you for uh, joining Nick Rita and Pastor Ernst Williams today on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please come back uh, again tomorrow when myself and uh, Pastor David Butcher, we are going to talk about uh, what has Christ being doing in heaven. Until then, may God richly bless you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh.